Good morning, everybody, and uh, thank you again for being part of our online Bible study community. Uh, my apologies for sending this out a bit later this week. Um, we've had a very sad week in the life of the church with a number of folk passing away and preparing memorial services and, and that. So um, thank you for your patience and your understanding. Um, today we are going to to look at another parable as we continue in this series. Um, but before we get to the parable, we need to do quite a bit of prep work um, because the parable comes at the end of quite a lot of interaction between Jesus and, and his listeners, um, the Pharisees and his disciples. And so what I'm going to suggest is I'm going to start and I'll see how far I get in terms of time because I don't want the Bible study to go on for an hour because you probably will be asleep by that stage but uh, at least um, let me do the preparation work and then we'll see how far we are in in that um, so come let's just commit the time to God in prayer Lord Jesus we set this time aside again um, to get deeper into your word and we thank you, Lord, that you will bless us with wisdom and understanding. And we pray, Lord, that also that the words that we um, spend time reflecting on today, we pray that they would have an impact on how we live our lives and how we follow you. And so we pray that you would guide us in your name. Amen. Okay, friends, so we're going to go to Luke's gospel, Luke, to the end of chapter 12. And the parable we're going to find is actually in chapter 13. But um, like I've mentioned, we need to do some of the preparation work for, uh, for today. So from verse 54, Jesus is uh, speaking to um, those who are listening to him. And I say as a mixed bunch of people from his disciples to the religious leaders, um, to the crowds in general, speaking about what is to come. Um, he's just warned them about um, division. He speaks about his coming, his second coming. And so in verse 54, he says to the crowd, When you see clouds beginning to rise in the west, immediately you say it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance on the, of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? So in this little exchange, so we take these first three verses together, um, he, he basically is saying to the crowd, look, you understand frivolous things. Um, when he means frivolous things, it's things that don't really impact upon our salvation and upon eternal life. So, so that's what I mean when I say frivolous. And he says, well, you're very good at looking into the sky. And you can say, well, there's a cloud in the west. And you say, oh, it's going to rain. Which we in the in the Fishhook Valley and even Simonstown, we understand that when the northwester blows in this part of the world, we, we can say the same thing. We say, oh, it's going to bring rain. And then when the southeaster blows, we know that it's going to be hot and it's going to clear any sign of possible rain it's going to take it away so we ourselves are um, like that crowd in some way but the reason why jesus is quite harsh i think in verse 56 where he calls them hypocrites is because 
remember that the word hypocrite has to do with somebody who pretends, who is an actor. Um, it comes from the, the Greek word which speaks about putting a mask on. And, and the reason why I think he's very strong in calling them hypocrites is because it's like they are pretending that spiritual matters don't count. Um, it's like they are only focused on the trivial things. And we, we often have this joke about the British people, how they love to speak about the weather. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what can happen is when we speak about the weather, we, we don't go deeper than that. Oh, it's going to rain today. Oh, it's lovely to have the sun. And so that's like a very superficial conversation. But what Jesus is always trying to push his listeners to, to reflect on is the deeper things, the deep things of the heart, of salvation, of eternal life. Um, and, and he's saying, look, there actually are signs around you, spiritual signs, signs of himself as the Messiah who's come, signs of conflict, signs of uh, the Romans coming in to occupy. There's a whole lot of signs already, and the people weren't willing to see that. Uh, and particularly in terms of the promise of the Messiah, they weren't wanting to look and to see. Um, and, and even in terms of what was going to come in the future, in terms of disaster and destruction, we know that uh, barely 30 years later, um, the Romans destroyed the temple in Jerusalem in AD 70. And so this is Jesus' strong warning to the people. Then he goes, verse 57 to 59, he says, why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going along with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled on the way, or your adversary may drag you off to the judge, and then the judge will turn you over to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Now this, although we don't classify this as a, particularly as a parable, these, these few verses, there is a, a link between this illustration and something deeper. Um, and, and first of all, I just wanted to point out, and when you're looking in your own Bible, you can see that there's a number of legal people mentioned. So magistrate, a judge, a officer, they, they are all mentioned in this. And, and remember at the time when Jesus was speaking this there, the people of Israel were under two uh, jurisdictions, the Roman and the Jewish. They lived under these two systems of the law. The Roman law obviously had to do a lot with civil things and then the Jewish law with issues of faith and, and religious law. And so what Jesus is, is saying here in verse 57 is he says, you know, really, why can't you decide for yourself what is right? If you are, are on your way to the court, okay, and, and this we will be thinking, if you read between the lines, that this is a civil court and you're going to meet your accuser. So somebody has charged you with something and there's a strong chance that you are guilty. He, Jesus is saying, well, why don't you just think it through and say, well, let if I am guilty, admit my guilt before it gets to the judge, because by the time it gets to the judge, it's going to get more and more complicated. I'm going to be sentenced, I'm going to be handed over and then thrown into jail. And, and then Jesus says, well, when that happens, 
you won't be free again until you've paid the, the last penny. Now, now, what he is saying is actually a deeply spiritual thing which has to do with eternal life because he's, he's saying that ultimately we need to make sure we are right with God who is our judge, our ultimate judge. And he's saying, well, why don't you make right with God while there's time? And remember what I was saying to you earlier on, that all of this, this kind of forerunner has to do with the main parable we're going to get to just now. And it has to do with the fact that time is limited. We all think we have years and years and years, and particularly in, in the context of making our lives right with God, we think we have more time than we actually have. And Jesus is constantly saying to people, turn to God now, repent Come now while you have the time. So that's just a, a brief insight into, into those. Then we, we slip into chapter 13. And again, just to remind us that we have the chapters nice and neatly broken down. But in the original text, it would have flowed immediately from one to the other. Because it says in, uh, in verse 1, it says about this time. So about the same time that he was talking to them about interpreting the times. Jesus was then informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were sacrificing at the temple in Jerusalem. Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than any other people from Galilee, he asked. Is that why they suffered? Now, under this question is the Jewish, well, not just Jewish, but particularly the, the, the thinking of the time was that if disaster struck anybody, it was a clear sign of a punishment from God. So if something out of the natural, out of the norm happened and people died, then they would always say, okay, that's because they were sinful and God punished them. Now, going back in the context of the time, um, this whole thing about the sacrifices being mixed with, um, you know, with the blood of people and so on, it, it, it's quite a dramatic thing. Um, but... There's an understanding that Pilate was trying to supply water into Jerusalem at the time because there was always trouble with, with water. There wasn't a river running through Jerusalem. And what Pilate was doing, according to the historians, is that he was going to use the temple taxes to, to make this happen. Um, to put it in our modern context, it's like the municipality or the government saying, okay, we're going to fix the roads uh, around our church and the water and everything in the suburbs, but we're not going to use our own money. We're going to use the church's money. We're going to make the church pay for it. So the Galileans, who themselves were, um, were quite feisty people, um, from what we understand, it's not here in the text, but, but from the historical records, they, they decided, no, they were going to protest against that. And then what happened is that some of the Roman soldiers were disguised as part of that mob and then they turned on the Galileans and then they killed them. So their blood spilt um, amongst the sacrifices and there around the temple. So it was really seen as a, as a massive disaster. But then people started to point out and say, okay, well, it's because the Galileans were sinners and da da da, da. So Jesus says, no, 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 in verse 3, I tell you, not at all. 
they were not any worse than anyone else. And then he says, and you will also perish unless you turn from your evil ways and turn to God. So what he's done now is Jesus used this information that has been given to him in the context of the time, and, he's, and he uses it to push people to turn to God and to use the time. You know, turn to God while today is today. That's why he says, and you will perish unless you turn from your evil ways and turn to God. He's also acknowledging, Jesus is saying that on a subtle level, that all of us will meet our maker. We all will die. And, and so, although the Galileans were, were killed in a very brutal way, it doesn't mean that, um, that they weren't loved by God, but that their time had come. Um, but Jesus is saying, like, you never know when the end is going to come. So make sure that you turn from your evil ways and turn to God. And then he carries on in verse 4 and says, Now, um, and what about the 18 men who died when the tower of Siloam fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? So that whole thing about the tower of uh, Siloam needs a bit of research, but there's a strong possibility that the tower was built as part of the, the aqueduct and, and tunneling works to bring this water into, uh, into Jerusalem. So the Pharisees themselves were obviously um, opposed to using force against the Romans. The, 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 the Romans. Um, but but the, the groups like the Zealots and the anti-Roman terrorists and stuff, they, they would have um, got involved in this, you know, in this whole protest. Now, these 18 men, from what we read and understand historically, were there, they were building the tower, and this thing collapsed. So some of the people were saying, yeah, you see, it's because God was punishing us uh, for that. Um, Jesus just is, is saying, look, it just happened to be a disaster. They were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, and he's saying, no, they were not the worst sinners in Jerusalem. You know, each, each one of us is a sinner. Um, is kind of like the, the hidden meaning in this. Paul would have said in his language, uh, for all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus then says in verse 5, No, I tell you again that unless you repent, you will also perish. So it's this, people are going to die, sadly, sometimes through um, natural means, sometimes through unnatural means. But what is more important is your spirit spiritual life and death and that you are not going to get to choose um, how you die and when you die but what you do get to choose is whether you turn to God or not okay so so this is bringing us friends all to um, the, the this forerunner if you like to the parable now I know it's taking us a bit longer but um, I think let me get into the parable and, and then we'll see why I've, I've joined it together. Because verse 6 says, then he told this parable. So he's, he's built it up and now he tells the parable as an illustration. A man planted a fig tree in his garden or his vineyard and he came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's taking up space that we can use for something else. The gardener answered, give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I will give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. 
If we get figs next year, fine. If not, you can cut it down. So this parable, I mean, it, the, the, the imagery and the word picture is very clear for us. It's a fig tree. Figs normally start producing within a few years, I think three years. Um, but if not, then there's something wrong with the tree. So Jesus is saying, well, if there's something wrong with the tree, the gardener and the man who owns the vineyard or the plot of ground needs to say, okay, well, now it's time to uproot it. And then we plant something else. We plant maybe more vines or something else that actually will bear fruit so we can, yeah, we can live on that. So that's the picture. Everyone who's listening would understand it. Um, the context of the time, um, very much, there's no fruit, there's no usefulness. It's time to make a change. But what is Jesus really talking about? He's talking about the people of God talking about the religious people, talking about the Jewish nation, saying for years, and obviously three is a, is a spiritual number, just like seven. Um, it could also be a sign of enough time has passed. So we've waited long enough for the tree to respond. We've waited long enough for the people of God to respond, but they're just not responding. They planted in a vineyard that, by all uh, understanding, is doing well, but there's just something not right. And Jesus is in the saying, okay, well, there is going to come a time when the Father says enough is enough. But what we also are, are reading between the lines here is that God is a merciful God. Even up until the last minute, God is a God of mercy. And this is the image of the gardener coming in and saying, look, come on, just give it one more year. We'll give it you know, even more attention, even more fertilizer. And we could assume that maybe the gardener in this story is Jesus and the father is, is the one who, um, who owns the land. And Jesus' fertilizer and special attention is him coming and being amongst the people, hoping that there would be some fruit born from that. But the end of the whole matter is that, that God's mercy at some point will run out. And that is that there will be a first chance and a second chance and chance after chance, but eventually God will then need to step in and make this decision. So do you see that in the previous um, sections we've looked at, there's been this emphasis on, hey, don't waste your time talking about the weather make sure that you turn to God now. Don't end up going to the judge and being thrown into prison because then you're going to pay for that bad decision for the rest of your life. Don't um, think that God only punishes certain people. No, we all will die, so we need to repent and we need to make our lives right with God. Same now with the, the fig tree is that there is a certain time uh, and God's mercy will come to an end. And, and the figs, um, the fig tree itself, just like vineyards, um, very, very profound and very significant in, uh, in Jewish tradition. In fact, trees themselves, um, often in the Psalm, I think Psalm 1 and Jeremiah 17, there's this whole um, link in with being godly. You know, godly people are like trees planted by rivers and so on, and they produce fruit. So there's all this symbolism and... Um, yeah, and, and connection for, for the folk. And so the, the, the bottom line in this parable, the one of the figs 
and the time is that we, we need to make use of our time in a godly way. And I suppose for those of us who are listening, uh, you would know this, but just to repeat it, is that we never know whether we are going to be here tomorrow or not. And I suppose in, in the sadness of what we've experienced in our community this week with the sudden passing of people, is that regardless of the age of each person who dies, it still comes as a surprise. And we always think, and, and maybe these, um, this applies to people who are not religious or church-going, who think, ah, there's always time. You know, I can, I can make right with God. Um, I'll live my life as I want to now, and then one day when I've got nothing else to do, I will turn to God. But, but that's arrogant because we never know whether we have that opportunity. Um, our life is a mist and a vapor, as the Bible says. We can be here one day and the next we can be, we can be gone. And so this is the strong emphasis that comes through in these, these verses. And I'm going to invite you, if you want, just to read them again. So that's from chapter 12, from verse 54 to the end of that parable, which is in verse 9. And if you find anything else in your dealings and reading and you th think you'd like to share it with me, I'd love to hear that. So just send it to me via email or something. But um, I'll leave us with this, this tension of knowing that God is a God of mercy, even up until the last. But he has given us plenty of warning um, to, to respond to his good news and to the message that he is our salvation. Friends, I hope that's made sense. May God bless you as you continue along your journey of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.